0: Welcome everyone, you are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. What irrational thoughts or fears consume your mind? For you, you have some irrational thoughts, you have some fears, what do you find consumes your mind? What causes you to be worried? What causes you to be full of anxiety? Uh, For 10 years, a a woman couldn't sleep because she was worried, and and she was worried about a robber coming and robbing her house, and it was just this irrational fear. And, And every time she heard a noise in the middle of the night for days, weeks, months, and years, Every time, for ten years, every time she heard something, she'd nudge her husband and and wake him up. He was sleeping soundly, but she'd wake him up and you know, hey, go check, go downstairs and check. I heard a noise, and so he'd do that and be a good husband and do that. But it went on for years and years and years. He just finally got tired. He was like, I'm done. I'm not going downstairs anymore. This is this is it. This is done. And and uh, so ten years into this, just it, it just. These irrational fears had plagued her, and of course there was never anything. And so it happens again, and she hears a noise, and she wakes him up and said, "No, no I'm telling you this was louder than ever." So he's like, "No, it's not louder than ever. I'm not going downstairs. Please go downstairs. If you love me, go downstairs. you know she's going at all this, and there's something down there. There's just someone down." he's like, "There's no one down there." And so she said, "Please, please." So he finally' was like, "All right, so you know, for the thousandth time, over 10 years, he goes downstairs and lo and behold, there's a robber in the kitchen. And so he looks at him and says, hey man, can you do me a favor? Can you come upstairs and meet my wife? She's been waiting for you for 10 years. (laughs) Oh, what's the point? Well, the point is really simple. A robber can steal from you once, but, but, but the robber of anxiety, It'll steal from you for decades upon decades. So what do you worry about? What do you get anxious about? Maybe for some of you, it's the news you're watching and it's just so consuming you and you just find yourself constantly worried. For some of you, it's, it's the, your health is failing or someone that you love, their health is failing and you're just anxious about it. Or maybe for some of you, you've been fighting for your marriage and, and wondering, man, where is this headed and what's going to happen? And it just doesn't feel like things are, are, are right and, and working out. Maybe some of you, man, you got a lot of bills and the amount of money you owe on the bills is greater than the bills in your, bo- in your pocketbook. And there's just not enough money for you. Some of you, man, you have some major decisions to make. And man, it, it, you're anxious about it, and you're worried about it. And in California, even this weekend with more and more mandates coming our way, and, and you know, there's something major coming for you, and you're worried about it. Whatever it is for you, your mind gets overwhelmed with these feelings of anxiety. Or fear or something that's just gripping you and you know that there's this battle going on in your mind and so the Apostle Paul writing from a a Roman prison awaiting possible execution and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit he writes this in Philippians chapter 4 and I want us to look at it together he says in verse 6 he says do not be anxious say anxious do not be anxious about anything But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. And what else? It'll guard your hearts. Let's say it out loud. Your hearts and your? And your minds in Christ Jesus. As we've been saying throughout this series, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That whatever it is that you're thinking on and dwelling on, that's where your life goes. And if those are are good thoughts, that's wonderful. And you benefit and everybody else benefits. But if those thoughts are negative or critical or, or full of fear, man, that overwhelms you. It overwhelms your life. It affects you. It affects your relationships. It affects your decision making. It affects everyone around you. What is it for you? Why is it that you fixate on that item that person that situation that circumstance that makes you so anxious why do your do our minds get so filled up with fear well for one we all have this little almond shaped piece of our brain called the amygdala and our amygdala is an interesting part of our brain and it's wired for survival that when you and I, that, that when we sense danger or, 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 we, or there's something coming up that, that, that we're, we're like, oh my gosh, that's a problem. Our amygdala kicks in. It shoots this adre- the adrenaline into our body and it tells our body, be on guard, stay alert, run. It's that whole fight or flight part of our brain. And it's different for everybody. We are our amygdala kicks in differently for all of us. Some of you, hey, raise your hand if you're afraid of bees. Anybody? Okay, a couple of people. Keep your hand up. Let's keep going. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Raise your hand. Add to this if you're afraid of spiders. Keep okay, uh, mice, rats, snakes. Okay, snakes, right? And so, so. That there's something for all of us, and, and if you see that snake, man, your amygdala says, run! And, or you, you see that spider or something, and, and, and it's crawling around, and it, you feel something on your foot, and it's just like the adrenaline shoots, and you take off. And, and, and for me, my amygdala kicks in when I walk through Bear Alley. Now, what's Bear Alley? On one of these uh, on, on one of the places that I go that I do my backpack trips on I was walking through this foresty part one time and and and, and I'm walking through and and all of a sudden I hear this like this kind of crash sound like the twigs just broke it was just really loud and I turn to my left and about a foot away okay really maybe like 10 feet away but like a foot away there's this black bear and man, I jumped. It, the adrenaline shot through me, and, and, and I was like, well, I have my 357 with me. Unfortunately, it's in my backpack, and I'm like, okay, note to self, it doesn't, you're not going to have enough time to go in. Excuse me, Mr. Bear. Let me take this off. Let me unzip, and so praise God. He was as freaked out as I was, and so when I heard him, I was walking through, he had basically turned to run up the hill. Now, I have always thought, like, when I'm on these backpack trips, what would I do if I encounter a bear? And I've always said to myself, oh, that's easy. It's not that big of a deal. If there's a bear, you just run behind a tree. And if he comes after you, you just run around the tree. You know, like, I've had, the, I've had this thought, right? Come on. I mean, it's really, why are you laughing? <laughs> Good eye, thank you. That bear took off and and behind this area of the forest, behind it was just kind of this open area and it was almost straight up. And he covered that open area distance of three, four, 500 yard, half, whatever it was, he covered that in about five seconds. And so this thought I've had all these years that I can just dodge the bear around a tree, (laughs) I came to the realization that's not gonna happen. And so because that had been my dominant thought all these years, oh, I can, you know, I can get around a tree and I could avoid a bear. How hard can it be, right? You know, I've now come to the realization. So when I'm walking down Bear Alley now, the gun no longer in the backpack, every little twig that I hear, I jump. The adrenaline shoots into me. Like every, and I'm like, Chris, everything's fine. You know, it's, you're fine. But it just shoots inside of me. Does anybody know what it's like to have that adrenaline shoot inside of you? You know that feeling and it takes a while to kind of get out and you're shaking it just, and that's your amygdala saying, panic, run. It's screaming at you, danger, danger, danger. Now here's the problem with our little amygdala. It is not objective. Its only function is to protect. That's its only function it's easily triggered and it's all panic 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 which is why that little almond-shaped portion of our brain needs our prefrontal cortex now the prefrontal cortex is a part of our brain that's all about logic and reasoning It's responsible for keeping our emotions and our impulses in control. It's the part of our brain that we run this cost-effective analysis in our brain that happens to help us make decisions rationally instead of impulsively. The problem is we have the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex the problem with the amygdala is it's always responding according to the pre programming that we have going on in our brains so what am I talking about well based on your past experiences that you've had that is helping to basically cause that amygdala to kind of react based on previous circumstances so if you have a pain from your past if you have a hurt from your past if you drew conclusions about something even erroneously possibly about something in your that has happened to you there's a good chance that certain people certain places certain events certain type of news certain things will trigger your amygdala which will take you to an unhealthy zone of anxiety and fear and tension because it's it's, it's developing, it's got this memory, and it's pre-programmed based on your past. And without knowing it, your mind is running, and my mind is running, and it's racing to worst-case scenarios in what's happening in the moment. And we find ourselves sometimes, you've, maybe you've experienced this short of breath, You have found yourself just in this moment of you're you're short of breath and you're panicking and, and you might even be trying to take control of something you can't take control of. Someone in that moment when you're going through something, they might look at you and everything in their mind, they're like, man, that's a weird response right now. And they might say to you, why are you being so irrational? well what are they saying they're they're looking at something that maybe not even that big of a deal but because of your past and your programming and all that's happened to you you're overreacting or you're overhyped because your amygdala has gone you know in high gear and they're saying quit being irrational why are you being so irrational in other words they're thinking prefrontal cortex and you're thinking amygdala that would just be a weird conversation for you to start having with somebody wouldn't it you know say hey I know you're feeling that way right now. Let's get in touch with our prefrontal cortex right now, right? I mean, I, that just probably wouldn't go well. It'd probably be a weird conversation. What did Jesus say to us about our hearts and mind? They're intertwined in the Jewish mind. What did they? What did Jesus say? Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, let your hearts be troubled. Is that what he said? No, no, he said, do what? Do, do not. Let your hearts be troubled. What did the angels say at, at the coming of Jesus? What did they, when they appeared, what did they say? They said, glory to God in the highest, stress and anxiety on earth. Is that what they said? No, no, no. They said, glory to God in the highest. What did they say? Peace, Peace on earth. And so that's why Paul, from a Roman prison, he says to us, Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything. Now, that word anxious actually comes from two Greek words that means to divide the mind, to tear the mind. Anxiety tears our mind in two different directions. It divides our mind between something that is legitimate and something that is destructive. And so Paul says, don't tear your mind. In other words, Don't freak out about that big test. Don't be anxious about that job interview. Don't be anxious about that future spouse, even though you don't have any prospects at the moment. Don't be anxious about your health situation. Don't be anxious about that big decision you're having to make. Don't be anxious about the financial burden that that, that uh, you're allowing to consume your mind. Don't be anxious about your future. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Jesus himself said it this way. He just said, don't worry. Do not worry. Then Paul goes on in verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every single situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what do you and I do? We present our requests to God. You know what that tells me, first of all? It tells me God cares. God cares about you. He's interested in you. He's interested in your daily life. Because why God's telling us, I want you to come to me. I want you to pray about everything. And when we do that, when we present our burdens to God, our worries, our concerns, what does it say? It says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will what? It will guard our hearts, and let's say it together, our hearts and our, our minds in Christ Jesus. How do you experience this? How do you and I experience this heavenly peace, man, that's going to help us? It's going to guard our heart and our mind so we don't have to be, because I want that. When I'm stressed out and I'm anxious, I don't want to be that way. I don't want that adrenaline shooting through my life. Man, I want the peace of God. Do you want the peace of God? So what do we do? How do we experience that? Paul is saying you experience it through the pathway of prayer. You experience it through talking to God, taking it to God, giving it to God, and doing so with an attitude of gratitude. But I'm convinced of something because we're here in church, and we know that over the course of a year, you're going to hear the preacher say on numerous occasions, hey, be in the Word of God, read the Bible. Hey, pray, pray. You know you're going to hear that throughout the year. And so what can happen is, is, for a lot of us, is we undervalue the power of prayer. Do you undervalue the power of prayer? I'm convinced that some of us do. How do I know? Because I've heard people say, I've found myself even at times saying, well, I guess all I have left to do is pray. That has to be insulting to God. The God of the universe who who heals the, the sick, gives sight to the blind, who raises people from the dead, this God of the universe he says, man, prayer shouldn't be the last resort. It should be the first line of defense. God wants you and I to come to him. He says in Hebrews chapter 4, he says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Man, and when we do that, we're going to find mercy, and we're going to find grace to help us when we need it most. James tells us this. Here's the re- You want to know why you don't have whatever what you're looking for he says you do not have because you do not ask God in other words because you haven't sought God you haven't prayed about it prayer moves the heart of God to act but you know what's interesting it also affects our brain it changes the chemistry in our brain dr. Caroline leaf in her book switch on your brain she said this she said 12 minutes of daily prayer or daily focused prayer over an eight week period of time can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Now that's interesting. And when I think about the reality that toxic thoughts hurt my brain and they lead to unhealthy living in my, in my life, but prayer can heal my brain. It can transform my brain. I can renew my mind. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse two, he says, don't be conformed to the patterns or the thought process or the ways of this world. He said, but be transformed. In In other words, he said, be different, be made different. And how are we made different, Paul said? By renewing our mind. Prayer to God, it transforms our mind. It renews our mind. So why then Through Jesus followers who who have been called to just completely trust God, then why do you worry? Why do I worry? Why do we get so anxious? Why are our minds so often filled and heading down the path of irrational thinking? Well, science tells us, for the most part, the reason that happens is because we're experiencing, you know, those those two little that amygdala. We're experiencing an amygdala hijack, is what they say. It's that part of our brain that's just wired to protect us. And so we find ourselves in circumstances and situations where the amygdala is shouting, shouting at us, panic, save yourself. It's bad, it's gonna get worse. It's too late to pray, forget that. Get out, go run, do something, you're in trouble. Take over, take control, work harder. That's the amygdala hijack. That's how science would describe it. And it's working overtime. Scripture adds some additional insight to this. And it would say, God's word would say is that when we worry, it's because our mind is being dominated by our sinful thinking. That's interesting, what what do we mean by that? Our mind is being dominated by sinful thinking. We're worrying because our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. And of course we have to, in that light is, what is worry? Simple definition is that the sin is, or worry is distrusting the power and the promises of God. That's the basic essence. When you and I worry, we're just distrusting the power of God and the promises of God. Worry is essentially saying, God, I. I don't really believe that you can help me out in this situation. God, I'm not really convinced that you care enough about me right now with what I'm going through. God, I, I don't really believe that you're going to come through for me. God, I don't really trust you in this situation, in this area of my life. In fact, here's how scripture describes this, what's happening inside of us. and if We find it in Romans chapter eight, and the apostle Paul says something very interesting. Starting in verse 5, he says, those of us that are dominated by, in other words, ruled by, or our lives are are filled up with, the sinful nature, what happens? He says, those, if we're allowing our sinful nature to dominate us, he says this, then you think about sinful things. Man, when our mind drifts towards things that are sinful, that dishonor God, you're thinking about sinful things, he says. He says, that's one group of people. But then there are those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. And they think about, notice what it says, they think about things that please the Lord. So he says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, destruction. It ruins our life. But letting the Spirit control your mind, notice, that's what leads to life. That's what leads to peace. That's what leads to our mind being at peace which is why God really wants us, using some of the language from our past messages and from scripture, he wants us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. There's a LifePoint member who emailed me this week who has moved away to another state We're glad you're online with us, even those who are online with us, whether here in this state or or in a different state, man, they're all part of the family of God, so it's kind of cool with everybody moving lately and now doing online services. We have LifePoint people all over the country, and one of them emailed me thinking about this series, and I like what they said. They, They said this, they raised the question, if the Holy Spirit dwells within all believers, why should we have to live in a house filled with trash like the house of a hoarder? Why not give him a clean, uncluttered place that he deserves? Again, he's talking about our mind. So you can stay. Instead of letting my sinful nature run my mind in all sorts of fearful ways, instead of filling my mind to use his imagery, filling it with trash, instead of being a hoarder of sin, I'm going to choose to let the Holy Spirit, which dwells in me, I'm gonna let God's Spirit direct my thinking. I'm going to let the logical part of my brain, the prefrontal cortex, I'm going to allow that to help me to think on, this is the rational side of me to, to focus on, and, and Philippians, remember it says, to think about what is true, and excellent, and praiseworthy. The part of me that says, I'm gonna completely trust in God. From a scientific point of view, that's that's our that's our, our prefrontal cortex essentially grabbing our amygdala by the tail, right? And saying, no, 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 I'm gonna be in control. And I'm gonna tell my amygdala, quit me in irrational. And I'm going to choose to be spiritual. And I'm going to choose by faith to trust in God, to believe in God, to give my burdens to God. I'm going to let the Spirit control my mind so that my irrational fears aren't going to take me off and have me running wild in my mind. I'm going to intentionally choose to let the Spirit of God direct my thoughts. As this person said, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the Holy Spirit a clean unfiltered or a clean, uncluttered place to live. Here's how this plays out for you and I. At some point, sometime in our life, we all worried about something, right? Let's just make sure we're all on the same page once again. If you've ever worried in your life, raise your hand, right? We've all done that. We've all worried. So we've all worried about something. And then we say, okay, God, I know you want me to give this to you. And I know this is important. And I need to trust you with my worry. And so what happens is we give that to God and we, you know, we trust God with it. But then at some point, we don't get what we're looking for. And we don't get it in the time frame that we're hoping or expecting we would get what we're looking for. And so then what do we do in that moment? We panic. We freak out. The amygdala kicks in. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves worrying again. And we're essentially saying, God, I I don't really trust you with that area of my life. Why do we take that back like that? Why do we do that? Why do we give something to God, but then we take it back? What causes us to do that? How does that happen in our life? Why do we give it but take it back? Very simple. Our God isn't big enough, which causes our worries to be even bigger. And some of us need a bigger image of God and a bigger understanding of God so we can shrink our worries. So whatever it is that's weighing on you, whatever it is that's dominating your thoughts, that's causing anxious feelings, that's causing you to worry, causing you to be afraid. Whatever that is, grow your image of God in your life. Peter says, here's how you do it. He says, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, cast all your cares on God. Give all your worries to God, one translation says. You cast, one translation says, give all your anxiety to God. How do we do it? We've been telling you. Philippians 4, 6, by prayer, with petition. You go to God. You present the request to God. You give it over to God. You hand it over to God. Craig Rochelle who wrote the book Winning the War in Your Mind, which is what this series is based on, he, just, he gave us this tip, and, I, and I, I like it. He said, create a God box. Now, uh, practically speaking, I was like, I don't know about walking around with some God box, so I thought, how about create a God envelope? Okay, So you take, a, you take an envelope, and what you're going to do is you are going to cast your cares on God. And so any care that you have, any worry you have, any concern you have, you take an envelope, and I call it 1 Peter 5, 7, and you write that on that. And whatever that worry is, is you write it down. Do something physical. You write it down, and you put it in the envelope. There it is, God. Here, this is my God envelope. And the reason I like an envelope is because, you know, you, you, you remove it from you, but it's there in the car. You know, if you, another worry comes to mind, you can pull over, write something down, and put it in there. You know, you can stick it in your back pocket at work, and something comes up, and you all of a sudden worry. You're like, oh, my box is at home. But your envelope, you can have in your pocket. And you pull it out, and, and you put it in there. So, so the, the idea is brilliant. I love the, not the envelope part, just his idea of, of having something that you physically write down. You write it down. And you put it in the envelope. So what are you worried about? What do you need to add to your envelope? Is it your teenager? Is it your marriage? Is it your future, your health, your job, your relationship, COVID and everything related to that? Whatever it is, we cast our cares on God. Listen to these different translations. Here's one translation, throw it on God. I like that image. Here's another translation. You leave it with him, leave it with God even if it's in the middle of the night and you start worrying and you can't go back to sleep, no problem, pull that envelope out, write it down and leave it with God. And then you go on with your life and you do so trusting God. Now here's the deal. Anytime you choose to worry again, what do you do? You grab the envelope, you pull that item that you've been worrying about. And if you're worrying about it again, you pull it out of it. The envelope and you say, okay, God, I chose to take it back. I'm ready to worry about this again. You do something physical like this so it sparks your brain, your amygdala, but more importantly, your prefrontal cortex. Okay, I gave it to you, God, but I I want it back. I want to be worried right now. I've had enough peace for this week. You know, I don't want to be peaceful anymore. Okay, so take it back. What is it for you that you cast on him, that you trust him, that you put it in your God box, your God envelope? And some of you are saying, because I know, I, know, I know what you're saying, you're saying, Pastor, that's just so naive. That is so naive. What am I, I'm just going to give it to God? Well, how's that going to help me pay my bills? How's that going to help me with my relationship that I'm struggling And How's that going to help me? Okay, I just put it in some envelope, and I've got to go make this big decision. No, it's not denial. So let me talk about this real quickly in three ways to look at this. What we're talking about of casting it on God, throwing it on God. Uh, Paul's words, living in the Spirit rather than walking, you know, in the step with a sinful nature. What does that look like? Well, first of all, let me just give three ways to think about it. Number one, we're going to live by the Spirit in this. Number one, we're going to do what we can do. You do what you can do. In other words, if you've got some type of, you know, test or exam or something coming up, you're trusting God for the exam as you study. If you want to get in better shape, you're trusting God with your health as you go to the gym and you work out. If you, you have a relationship, you trust God with the relationship, but you choose to say, I'm going to be godly, and I'm going to be pure, and I'm going, to, I'm going to have boundaries in a healthy, godly way, and you're going to trust God with the results. You do what you can do, but then secondly, we're going to give to God what we can't do, and this is important. We give to God what we can't do. If it is something that is outside of your God-given ability or talent or skill that he gave you, if it's outside of that, because that's the part you can do, if it's outside of that, you give that over to God. So for example, can you heal somebody? No, you give that part to God. Can you change a person? No, you give that part to God. Can you control everything? No. You give what you can't, you know, have an influence on. You give that over to God. And then thirdly, you just trust God no matter what. Because of who he is, because of his character, because of his nature, because of the goodness and his promises and what he has done in the past. And you you fill your life with the truth of God of what you know he has done in your life. And you trust God no matter what. You see, what God's word is telling every single one of us is we have a choice. We can choose to satisfy and gratify the desires of the flesh, or we can choose to walk in step with the Spirit, be controlled by our sinful nature and ruled by our sinful nature, or we can be dominated, as the Scripture said, or ruled by the Spirit. It's your choice of where you let your mind go. You choose. And I can tell you this. Those who will let their lives be dominated ruled by the Spirit of the living God and you take your request to God and you lay it before him and you give it over to him and you trust him. You say, God, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to leave in your hands what I can't do. And I'm going to trust you no matter what. Those who do that, the Bible says God's spirit will move in you and will calm your anxious mind. And you can eliminate worry and you can eliminate the fear from your life. What do you choose? What do you choose? As we wrap up this series, I, I, let me just bring it together one last time. Since your life, my life, is moving in the direction of our thought, strongest thoughts, are you liking what you're thinking about? Do you like what you're thinking about? This summer, I finally took the time to come to grips with the reality of my life that I didn't like what I was thinking about. I didn't like what was going on inside of me and how it was destroying me and, and my, my relationships and my ability to to minister and to to be a pastor to people, my thoughts were destroying me. And I knew if I don't start controlling what I think, I'll never be able to control what I do. And all of those issues internally, it was just coming out in my life in ways that I wasn't happy about. So what did I have to do? And what has God called us to do? With all those negative thoughts and all that's consuming us, what do we do? We identify the lies we're believing. And I was believing a lot of them you identify those lies and then you replace that with God's truth. And and so how did we say to do it? We said we said first of all you write it down. Again, do something physical. Write down the truth. Here's the lie, here's the truth and then you think about it, but then you say it out loud, you declare the truth until you believe it. I was talking to someone after service, they're like, man, I have been saying this over and over and over and over, and they showed me their notes, and it was a particular phrase from the ser- a ser- uh, from this series, a piece of truth we shared. And I was like, man, I'm so excited that you're doing that and you're, you're putting this into practice, because I've been doing the same. I've been declaring over and over and over and over a particular piece of truth. So you declare it over and over we recognize we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we frame it. So we're going to trust God and believe in God. We're not going to be negative and critical. We're going to believe that God has our best interests at heart, and he's going to move and act in our lives. And then in everything we do, Scripture said, in prayer, with petitions, we're just going to take it to God. We're going to present our request to God. And if you do that, and if I do that, God promises us the peace of God. Guard our hearts. Let's say it one more time. Our hearts and our our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, almighty God, we come before you. God, we want to step out of the lies of the enemy and step into your truth. God, we know it's your truth that'll set us free from all the anxieties in our life and the fear in our life. So God, we just, we lay our fears before you. We give them to you. We present them to you. And we ask for you to move and for you to act. God, I pray as we move on from this series, this series doesn't move on from us. And so God, keep stirring in us that we have weapons the world doesn't have to demolish these strongholds of our lives that, have gri- lives that have gripped us. So we turn to you and we trust you and we lean into you. God, move powerfully in each one of us so that we can be victorious in these battles in our minds, these wars in our minds. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.